a class for reparation. That's okay. She seems peaceful. My name is Erin Gilbert, doctor of particle physics. <laughs> That's stuff went everywhere, by the way, in every crack. Very hard to wash off. We have dedicated our whole lives to studying the paranormal. Now there's sightings all over the city. There are people out there that need our help. Holtzman, you're a brilliant engineer. Erin, no one's better at quantum physics than you. We can provide a real service. Join the club. You guys are really smart about this science stuff, but I know New York. And I can borrow a car from my uncle. <laughs> uh, you didn't disclose that the vehicle was going to be a hearse. It's a Cadillac! Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh did you want to? Sorry. sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. Okay. Someone is creating a device that amplifies paranormal activity. And we might be the only ones who can stop it. Holtzman, come on! The hat is too much, right? Is it the wig or the hat? There's a bigger picture at hand here. These ghosts can possess the human form. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast right here on channel 1138.com. And we are discussing more Ghostbusters tonight. Um, Yeah, there's more movies. You may have forgotten one, but uh, and maybe you want to forget one of them. But uh, it's here. We're going to discuss it because we literally have nothing else to talk about tonight because, you know, the world is ending, I think, and there's no new movies. Theaters aren't open. So we have to go back to the well and uh, find new things to talk about or find old things to talk about. And that is the rebooted Ghostbusters from 2016. Yeah, we're going to be talking about it. The the all-female Ghostbusters that was infamous a few years ago. Yeah, we're going to break it all down and discuss it and uh, talk about it. It's going to be a heck of a good time, regardless if we keep yelling each other over some stuff. I don't know what's going to happen, to be honest, but uh, it'll be a good time. But before we get into it, of course, introductions are in order. My name is Ben, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold. Zach, what's going on? Well, I I tell you, man, I had a really long 
and really rough day at work today. Uh, same, you, same. Those of you who don't know, I work for an ATM company, and there is an event at an event center happening this weekend. Yes, they're going to try and enforce social distancing and masks and all that sort of stuff, but the event is still happening. And my company uh, has a has a partnership with the venue where anytime there's an event, we set up extra portable ATMs for the event so people can get cash while they're there. And uh, I had to go and set up a couple of portable ATMs on one end of the Dallas-Fort Worth area and then had to go take care of like 16 other machines on the other side of the Metroplex after that including five that were in like an outdoor flea market venue in the heat of the day. So this is like the highlight of my day. Like I have been looking forward to this all afternoon. I literally texted you guys like, give me a time for when we can start so that I actually have something to look forward to. And uh, yeah, I have been looking forward to this. I'm excited to be here with you guys. I'm excited for the panel that we've got tonight and uh, believe it or not, I'm actually excited to discuss this movie. So it should be a good time. Well, I'm excited that you're excited. So let's continue. Well, excited, you're excited that I'm excited. <laughs> okay, okay. The excitement all around. And let's continue the excitement and introduce Oops. our other good friend and co-host, Mr. Jake Damon. What's going on, Jake? Oh, not a whole lot. Uh, just watched uh, the last – well, I'm I'm – up to the second to last episode of season two of Umbrella Academy. I'm watching it with oh. my wife right now, and it is definitely one of my favorite shows on any streaming service, but definitely my favorite uh, Netflix show, probably. Um, it's just, it's so good. And every episode, you know what, Zach, you 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 shut your mouth, boy. Me, me and Zach got into it on, on Messenger last night talking about Netflix shows, and I I have to watch uh, Altered Carbon now because that's Zach's favorite. But in return, he has to watch Umbrella Academy. I think hey, he gave it a chance. Didn't like it so much. That 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 that's the epitome of friendship and compromise. You know, you're like, correct. Like it was like, yeah, I tried Altered Carbon, wasn't a big fan, and I was like, all right, I'll I'll go watch Umbrella Academy if you go watch Altered Carbon, and I think. At the end of the day, maybe you and I do like a YouTube video where we do like a comparison contrast of first and second impressions of, of both shows when it's all said and done. Dude, I'm completely down to do that. Um, but yeah, so it, it is it's going well for me. Uh, I'm very interested to to talk about, but also hear what you guys have to say about uh, Ghostbusters 2016, because this is this was a very divisive film when it came out. And uh, I think I think there's going to be a lot of opinions tonight. I'm still trying to figure out mine. I'll I'll say as a disclaimer, I did not watch this uh, for this episode. I'm just going based on memory, but I, I've seen it recently enough where I can remember it for the most part. And I definitely remember when I saw it in theaters. And uh, yeah, we'll be talking about that tonight. Can't wait. Very, very interesting. And also joining us, he's back, guys. He joined us for the first episode of this arc. We unfortunately couldn't get him in last week. Of course, we heard his great voicemail. And uh, now he's back with us to talk about this movie. Our patron and our friend and uh, the number one Ghostbusters fan in the world, in my opinion, Mr. Joey Mays. How's it going, Joey? 
<laughs> Thanks, Ben. Hey, guys. Very, very happy to be welcomed back uh, so soon. Sorry I couldn't make it uh, last week to discuss Ghostbusters 2, but very excited to talk about the 2016 reboot, Ghostbusters Answer the Call. You know, I got my wonton soup here ready to go, and I'm um, ready to discuss. <laughs> the wonton soup. That was a great trope in that movie. <laughs> also, are we really calling it Ghostbusters Answer the Call? Well, that's what they decided to call it, you know, after they released the movie, so... Ugh. Really? Hard ug. Yeah, it was not part of any of the promotional materials. It didn't appear on the, the posters, at least to my knowledge. All the pictures I have, like, in the theater and things that were sent to me or I got beforehand, no reference to answer the call. And then I and I don't even think it happens at the beginning of the movie. It's only at the end in the credits, I think, if I recall correctly. Now, um I remember sitting there with my my friends when we went opening night, and it was just like, oh, there's a there's a tag or a subtitle or something. What's going on here? They they felt they had to d- distinguish it from you know the original '84 version since they had been calling it Ghostbusters, using you know parentheses 2016 like all the sites were doing. Apparently, wasn't enough. They added the the subtitle very very late in production. Wow, How about it's... Ghostbusters? Hang up the phone. <laughs> um it's uh it, it reminds me of that tom cruise movie you know edge of tomorrow then they ended up like it didn't do yeah. well enough at the box office so they started calling it live die repeat which is arguably a better title Mm-hmm. and it's a good movie too I would so i've heard birds of prey like oh, Harley they... Quinn. oh my gosh yeah birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Like, they threw that in at the very, very end. Her name's at the very, very end of the title. Yeah, and, and then it just became Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. They it, realized they realized it, that Harley Quinn was the most marketable name in that bunch. Yeah. Was it, was it and, or ampersand, or was it a colon? You know, I can't remember. I just remember going to the theater or going by theaters, and it just said Harley Quinn. It didn't even say Birds of Prey. Like, even the Jeez. the ticker, it would just say Harley Quinn. <laughs> oh, yeah, the ticker across the top. I thought you meant the posters. It definitely says Birds of Prey in the posters. Yeah. But yeah. that's not what we're talking about tonight. Oh, I go to Google. I type in birds, just birds. The second result is Harley Quinn, colon, Birds of Prey. There you go. Ooh. Colon. There you go. We all have a colon, don't we? <laughs> apparently, apparently. I mean, I haven't seen mine, but I assume it's there. I've seen mine. Uh, I've, well, my, I've I've seen others from all the kissing I do. Put in those hashtags, guys. It's time for colonoscopy watch. This is getting weird already. This guy, I, I knew it would get weird. I just didn't know it would be happy that quickly. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, uh, so where do we begin with this movie? Obviously... I mean, we know, we all know the history of this movie. Like, I didn't see it when it came out in theaters. I literally just watched it the other night for the first time ever. Um, and it's it's. I mean, it is infamous. I think, regardless of your kind of opinions on it, it has this kind of following, and it, and it copped a lot of flack back in the day, perhaps rightfully so, and and perhaps not rightfully so because people on the internet are stupid sometimes. Even when you know, even when there's stuff that's that should receive criticism they still take it too far so that's a whole thing but just as a movie like i don't know where to begin because i have a lot of mixed feelings i don't know where you guys stand on it 
and I don't know what your guys' history is with this thing, but it's a movie. I can tell it, you that much. It is a movie. You you did not see it in theaters. I did not see it in theaters. Either of you other two guys see it in theaters? I, I did. did. I saw it opening night. Wow. Okay. Uh, what what were your opening night impressions, and, and how do they compare to your impressions now, Joey? Uh, honestly, because I went into it with very – I don't want to say they were low expectations because that's not correct. They were uh, tempered expectations because I did not enjoy uh, the promotional material, specifically the trailers and more specifically the the first trailer, which – for a long time and maybe still is the most downvoted dislike trailer in the history of YouTube. Wow. It, it just, it <laughs> didn't get people excited at the beginning. People were still very emotional about things. Uh, some legitimate, some not legitimate at all. Uh, and, and it didn't have me looking forward to it because it was the Ghostbusters franchise. And I had these connections with uh, my friends that I was going to see it with. You know, there was still the buildup around it. We still took pictures with all the stand-up, the cutouts, the posters. You know, we actually saw it in the the 4D, like the the seats that like shake you and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Um, the, the D is the D box. Is that what it's called? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we actually saw it uh, in D box. Uh, it was a whole thing, um, and, and related to. Well, Ben will know more about this because it relates to something that Ben's helped me with in the past. But we actually saw this movie opening night which was my buddy brent's bachelor party part of his bachelor party and brent was on the sw with me uh before um so yeah it was a whole group of us we got to go see it it was a a a ton of fun we did a whole bunch of things leading up to the movie we went to the movie and uh, all of us came out of it um really actually probably pleasantly surprised that we liked it as much as we did based on our expectations going in now we I know on no point thought it was better than the originals or that it compared to the originals, but we didn't think it was as disastrous as people were trying to make you think it was going to be. Right now, I know there are people out there that absolutely believe that. Uh, I am I am not one of them, and you know I look forward to diving into the things that I liked and didn't like uh, with you guys this evening. Okay, okay. Um, I feel like maybe I'll have somebody on my side then. Uh, <laughs> based on based on I, I can always tell when Ben doesn't like a movie because he 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 tempers his perspectives just enough to try and put a positive spin on it as best he can. But yeah, I, yep. I, also, I also know that like he's he's also secretly pushing the mute button just going this movie effing sucked. I don't know. <laughs> Am I that transparent? I, dude, I, I've been podcasting with you for six years now. I can tell when you're spinning stuff to try and make it as positive as possible. So I I want to have unfiltered Ben for the next 90 seconds. What did you really think of this Ghostbusters movie? Okay, first of all, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I really did not hate this movie. <laughs> I know I said that last week, and I'm just repeating myself. Lies. And then I said I said a lot of bad things about the last one when I said I didn't hate the movie. So maybe I'm just lying to myself and everyone else. But I I didn't hate this movie. There's a lot that I think it gets right. I think I think the casting is great. I think the cast is really well casted, and I liked all of the characters. I do see a lot of flaws in where they're going, and I understand. 
the whole reboot thing where, you know, obviously this isn't a sequel like a lot of people wanted. This is a straight up, you know, we're taking the archetypes and the general idea of this movie and we're transplanting it and putting it to new characters and a new situation and we're forgetting about everything that came before. I understand that's people just don't like reboots. Generally speaking, that's just they're unpopular. They have to be really, really good to win people over. I don't think this is a really, really good movie. I think it's an okay movie. Hey, people like The Force Awakens. <laughs> Different kind of reboot, all right? It's called a soft reboot. Get it right. But, you know, I think this movie does a lot of good things. I think it tries really hard to kind of thing. I think it is funny to a degree. I think it kind of nails the goofiness of the originals. I think it is very just wacky in parts. I think it does get to that, you know, kind of level of what the originals were trying to do. Um, I just think it falls flat a lot. And it's not it's not as good as it think it is. It's not as clever as it wants to be. And there is some things that just rub me the wrong way. You know, Kevin's character is I like I love Chris Hemsworth. I like where they're going with that, but like something feels wrong about that guy. Just the whole portrayal of him, the fact that like they literally only hire him because they think he's hot. Like, you know, it's it it's a bit it's a bit much. It's a bit much. Um he's funny. There's a great scene. We'll get to one of the particular scenes that's really funny later and I didn't even realize stuff you guys told me before the show that that's about some trivia. And like I enjoyed it. It's I think they did a lot of good things right in it. That you know, it's not trying to be the fir- the first movie over again. It's more of an origin story. Kind of backs up, you know, leads up to where the ending kind of starts where the you know the new- the older movie would have began. So a lot of good stuff in here, but also just I I see where people are coming from that don't like it. I definitely am not a huge fan of this movie. I think I did see the extended cut, which may have you know oh, tempered. No. My, I you know, I got it through other means, and there's, there's an extended cut. Yes, there is an hour and some, no, two hours and something, like two hours fourteen minutes extended. You cut. got to see the entire dance scene then. Which dance scene is this? Uh, it's at the, the end of the movie. Let's so that was cut out of the movie. Yes, that was but, not. Wow, in the, that is not in the theatrical cut. Wait, what dance scene? The, they, the, they have an entire dance scene at the end when Chris Hemsworth is. Uh, his character, um, was it Kevin? Kevin. Is, he, like, takes uh, control dance. of the crowd? He makes them dance? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's, like, you can kind of tell because it's not a great edit in the theatrical version, the the way that it was released. They He, he kind of takes over them, and then it cuts, and, like, they move on. But in the original version or the director's version, whatever is part of the extended version, he does, like, an entire dance scene with them. Oh, my gosh. I need this in my life. No, you really don't. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say I did not hate that scene either. I thought I think it matches kind of the absurdity of the originals. It's not that bad. It's bad, but it's not that bad. The finger pointing, all I'm thinking in regards to the to the like the finger pointing is like you should be dancing by the Bee Gees and grew from despicable me doing that same pointing maneuver at the end of the movie, <laughs> only it's a whole crowd doing it. What song did they dance to? Staying Alive, right? No, was it? I can't remember. In by the way I used my wall. I thought it was Bee Gees. I can't remember. It, oh my gosh, if it's the Bee Gees, I'm so happy. I feel like I just need to show you this scene and then you just re- live react to it. Oh my gosh. Is Hold it on a second. YouTube? It's well, got I'm, to be on Oh YouTube. yeah, it, uh, let's, let's do Ghostbusters. 
dance. Oh, let's see. Let's okay. pull this I'm, up. I'm, I'm gonna I'm send going you the link and then Facebook chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Standing on top of the Mercado. Pointing guns. Who's the flying beefcake? <laughs> Who's the flying beefcake? brave men and women of the protection services industry I would like to see you dance <laughs> so you guys didn't see this huh I'm sorry that you missed it I am not sorry that I missed it This is the point in the movie where I was like, what the hell am I watching? Okay, he's, that he's... Spin oh no, I just saw that! Oh no! There, there, I mean, that, because that, that's all you get in the regular cut is just one when they're all pointing. So they don't explain it in the theatrical cut why they're pointing? Well, they kind of they show the thing where like he takes over them, but that's where it ends. Like, where he initially makes them point. That's wow. Gosh. You guys, do you realize I just freaking called it? I'm, I have literal chills. I have literal chills. Oh my gosh. Wow. I, I literally said I'm picturing Gru doing the pointing from You Should Be Dancing by the Bee Gees. And then You Should, it was, you should Be Dancing starts hitting. Oh my gosh. Gosh, I swear I've never seen that scene until just now, and I freaking called it. I'm <laughs> glad you're happy with yourself. Oh, that was so satisfying. Oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> I wish I could feel Zach's excitement right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> Jake, let's get your thoughts on this movie then, man, as a whole. Um, oh man, yeah. And then I'll lift everybody back up. Okay. Uh, well, this was kind of my first, uh, experience with Ghostbusters as an adult. Like I had seen the original Ghostbusters, uh, when I was a kid, but uh, I forget if I didn't see the whole thing or just didn't remember or whatever, but I vague memory. So this was kind of like a fresh experience for me. I didn't really have the old one to compare it to. And... It was it was a very okay movie. The humor was very I wouldn't even say hit or miss. It was just kind of like miss and miss harder a lot of the time. There were a couple of good jokes in there, I thought. Um most of the laughing I did was at Chris Hemsworth as Kevin. I thought that really kind of worked for me. Um, but yeah, overall, it just kind of struck me as like, a, even without the other one to, to compare it to, it struck me as a, as a kind of just a, a knockoff or a, a bad attempt at capturing the, the lightning in a bottle that the first one was. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was kind of like a, a, a bit of a drag to sit through. And 
I didn't think they did that great of a job with the the humor, which to me is like if you can do if you can make anything right in a movie, even if it's a terrible movie, terrible plot, whatever, if you can nail the humor, you're you can save the movie. I mean, that could be the the saving grace of the movie. And I thought that's one of the very, very strong points of the the original Ghostbusters to me is the humor and just the chemistry. And this was just kind of a bunch of ad-libbing and not very good ad-libbing um and it was just kind of painful and uh yeah that's that that was my experience um i did enjoy some things i really liked the um the uh the design of the the ghosts i thought the 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 kind of transparent like you can see their bones uh type of design was cool like the different colors they used and just this ethereal smoke around them i don't know there was just something about the design choices for the ghosts that i that really worked for me even better than the the original ghostbusters um but again that's just design when it comes down to humor and, and story and originality it kind of falls apart for me well at least there's one thing we can agree on dude <laughs> there's there's one there's one component of that entire recap that i agree with and that's the design uh i i liked i liked the way the first apparition looked coming up out of the basement like Mm -hmm. she legit looked like dead but also ghostly but also beautiful the way they were describing her like they're looking up at her and they're going you're gorgeous and i'm like yeah in your prime you probably were and, you know, just the fact that they're seeing an apparition for the first time, obviously, you know, they're excited by that. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 whole, the whole concept of the way that they look and the interaction that they're able to have with the real world, uh, the, the, the chaos that kind of ensues towards the end of the film, you've got a lot to take in. Whereas in the first Ghostbusters movie, the original one, the the biggest thing you were paying attention to, let's be honest, was just the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. But in this one, there are just so many ghosts and apparitions just showing up all over the place that no matter which frame you're looking at, you're taking in something different. And it's a little overwhelming at times, I will grant, but... I think that overwhelming nature actually kind of helped the general intensity of the finale, at least for me, because the way that they looked and the quantity of all of those good looking ghosts kind of presented a sense of severity to me. Like, oh, crap, this is a real issue. And the way that they looked was a big part of that. Oh, and the the demon dragon at the metal concert. I thought that was really cool, too. <laughs> so, um, uh, can I jump in here real quickly? Absolutely, always. Uh, just because um, Jake mentioned it, and now Zach talked about it a lot. So, one of the significant issues when the trailer came out, and and I don't feel any different after having seen the movie a few times, is the the ghosts. But it it was it's not the design per se; it's the way that they animated them. I do not like how everything is incredibly bright and vibrant and mm. oversaturated. That is a huge difference compared to the first two, uh, um, which, and I know this is a reboot they don't have, and it's modern filmmaking, it's completely different, but that was jarring. 
um, seeing, and that was one of the, my first thoughts seeing the, the trailer was, why are the ghosts so bright? Why are they so in your face? The vibrancy was just, is through the roof, off the charts. I love the design of the ghosts themselves. Like, um, Gertrude Aldridge is very cool, but like she was that super bright blue. Um, and, and maybe, like, I know there's probably people being like, yeah, Slimer's bright green, like, get over it. But because Slimer in the originals was is a practical effect, it didn't have that uh, in-your-face, this-is-fake feel to me, at least growing up watching it. Whereas these, like, at all points in time, I was just like, that's computer-generated. That doesn't that doesn't look or feel real. Design cool, but I felt the execution was was off through the entire movie, and that was one of my bi- biggest criticisms leading up to it and after the film released. Yeah, and I think that makes that, that that's a valid criticism. I mean, and that's the biggest jump here is that you know you're going from 1989 to 2016. There's a lot has happened in the in the special effects industry. And, you know, they're going to want to utilize that. You know, that's probably one of the biggest draws to doing a reboot like this is that, oh, you can do all these classic characters and classic iconography and all the ghosts and everything like that. Because, you know, Ghostbusters is this very kind of, it's almost fantastical in the stuff that it has. Even though it's kind of withdrawn in the first movie and they're only able to do so much, like it's still very, you know, very sci-fi. So... Obviously, you're coming into this like, oh, there's going to be tons of CGI, and they go all out in this movie, but at the same time, it's it loses the charm, you know, and that's what, that's what everything. I think that's what the whole kind of progress with, like, CGI animation is like, using it sparingly. Like, it, they go overboard because they can do it, and they can do all this stuff, and, you know, you have to learn to kind of pull back on it a little bit and use the stuff and, you know, whatever, so... That's that is a big thing, and I, I like I, it. Looks really good, just as it's as a movie itself. Like it looks amazing. Like you know, I think the ghosts are are great. They look they look great, and you know, just overall, I think the whole kind of aesthetic of the movie is is great. I think they they do a really great job of kind of replicating it and kind of doing their own different take on it. Here's the thing: I don't know what people generally think about this movie because all I remember is the backlash. All I remember is like people just hating on it, wailing on it. I never like got it like a good representation of like what people actually thought. And I like hearing Joey talk about it and Zach talk about it, like, okay, maybe this movie isn't as hated as I thought it would be because uh, you know it. it, it and that's def- nice. I'm good. I'm glad. I'm glad that's the case. I think I think it was definitely getting a lot of flack during the trailers because it, it wasn't presenting itself in a proper light, but. I also don't recall a whole lot of negativity coming after the release. Maybe I just wasn't following the right threads. Maybe I just wasn't part of the right groups. But, like, I feel that some of the criticism started to die down about a month or so after the movie came out and people had a chance to actually go watch it. It's only got 5.2 out of 10 stars on IMDb, though. So it I could be mistaken. But when I went and looked at some of those top-rated reviews, like the ones that people read the most and upvote the most, it really just looks like a bunch of sexist white men posting about how they don't want women in their franchise. And I'm like, you just need to have your account deleted anyways. So I don't really know how to explore the validity of those reviews because like, it, it was astounding to me how high the misogyny was 
when this reboot like was announced and i was like are you serious right now and that's that's the ultimate tragedy of like those people getting into the conversation is that now the discourse is just frayed and you don't know where anybody stands and then it comes down to like if you see somebody that's just negative about it, you say, "Oh, look at this dude and his misogyny." Whatever, like that's not the case a lot right. of times. Like yeah. the amount of people that are actually like out there doing this are very small. They make them seem really big, and they get all their sock puppet accounts to make them think, think big, but they're really not. Um, obviously, there's a lot of people just like Star Wars, just like any of them. Like there's a lot of criticism, there's a lot of praise. And it's all fair, and you know, you unfortunately you have just the idiots that come in and say that. And obviously, that was the case. Like there, there was some. I remember some pretty blatant examples. And obviously, what you're talking about, Zach, is just you know these reviews. They're just dudes, unfortunately, being dudes. But uh, you know, I, I think ultimately this movie is just it's a mixed bag of stuff, and different people liked it, and people different like it. And obviously, we're kind of split here on the podcast, which is interesting. Well, it's definitely like I said. It, it's good that we've got this this didactic kind of split to it, because there may be some things that some people really enjoyed, and there may be some other things that other people maybe didn't really enjoy. Uh, Jake had to hit the pause button for a second here, so he and I will get into it about the comedy in just a little bit. Um, but I wanted to address a little bit of the uh, CGI ghost commentary that that Joey made a moment ago, if I may. Absolutely. Uh, because while I I definitely get the idea that the the CGI was was overdone and oversaturated and and it it kind of I don't know became the the presence that nobody wanted it to be. Like I can totally see that. Like looking back at it in, in retrospect, having tens of thousands of ghosts flying all over the place and only four women combating it, it seems very very overwhelming. And it, it, it kind of takes away from the impact that they are supposed to be having on the film. The film's supposed to be about them, not the ghosts. I get that. On the flip side, though, if we're talking about having an oversaturation of CGI and it being focused as a negative component, if, if we're going to buy into that concept of, of oversaturation of CGI characters in a... Uh, important fight scene of a storied franchise. May I introduce you guys to a little film called Endgame? <laughs> can, can I can I point out something that I think um, is, there's a little bit of loss in translation here? Mm-hmm. Um, when I said oversaturation, I didn't mean numbers. Well, the, the color scheme, I will also agree to that, but I, I think there's also a, a frequency issue as well. Like no, as far as far not in any. That, that's not what I was referencing in any way. Mine was completely focused on the oversaturation, oh, oh. the vibrancy of, of the colors. Color scheme. Uh, okay. Was, yeah. Okay. So, no, I'm cool with the numbers. That doesn't bother me. I, I feel like it, it is a bother for some people, though, too. Okay. Like, I, I, I feel like I, I haven't seen it on the message boards, but, I mean, I feel like that would be something that, that, that should also be addressed. But the... I, I I don't know, man. The the is it is it because there's too much blue, too much green? I I'm I'm curious, like exactly what you mean by the oversaturation as far as as color wheel goes now, because I I felt like they tried to balance it as best they could. I I think it worked together with the the aesthetic that they chose. I, I'm just saying I didn't like the aesthetic they chose. I, I was hoping for something that looked a little bit more grounded 
based in I don't want to say based in reality because it's sci-fi fantasy <laughs> whatever like I, I don't know I just it, it just seems that they they went it all in on the CGI and they didn't try to not make it look like CGI like it, it they just there was no aspect of realism to me if it that makes any sense in a world where we're talking about in okay. nearly the flesh ghosts I will. Uh, it, just, it was just a part of me that I was it just kind of took me out of it because I, I don't feel that um, I feel like it could have been done a little bit better and again that has nothing to do with the designs the, the part where they enter Times Square is awesome like I love that transition it's super cool I love the ghosts you know the way they react the way they look at them I just think the way that they animated them uh, the color scheme they chose is just off for me. It was just one of my one of the drawbacks. And, and obviously, you're coming at this as a as a lifelong fan. You've you've had these movies memorized backwards and forwards, like that aesthetic you're very familiar with. Whereas I I personally I didn't notice a difference other than like oh yeah they're CGI instead of practical puppets. Like you know that was the only thing that I noticed. So you know and obviously they are taking liberties and you know like okay we're gonna go this way with the aesthetic of these ghosts versus trying to match it because this isn't the same universe. It's something different. Well, but still, it's still Ghostbusters. You're I, still I you're like, getting there for that. I feel like they did try some practical components, though, because before it turned into a giant dragon demon, it looked like something straight out of Doctor Who with the walking mannequin stalking Patty in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's, that's totally feel, Doctor Who. I feel like they tried to blend it a little bit. No, I was literally thinking, like, Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that whole hallway sequence, that was all I was thinking was, nice to meet you, Patty. Run for your life. <laughs> like, that was the only thing on my mind. Um, but I, I think, again, trying to incorporate a, a realistic feel to a, a, a sci-fi action sequence, I do feel like my parallel with Endgame still stands, Joey, because, like, the, the alien characters are so massive there's so many of them and their color scheme was actually kind of bland i really didn't know what they were or what they looked like all i knew was there were explosions and the bad and like the good guys were fighting them like i i, I do think there are still some parallels there as far as trying to experience some reality in something that's fiction i didn't feel like anything in endgame was real and yet that movie still got a lot of warm reception for everything else that it did, I guess. I don't know how people really feel about that scene. I feel like that scene in Endgame got republished a lot on Twitter, where people are talking about Falcon showing up out of the, the uh, portals, going on your left to Cap. Like, that whole sequence there turned into something, like, super, super popular. And, and yet, I don't know. Like, it, it must be a compounding thing. The other things that were good in Endgame forgive the stuff that wasn't so good, but maybe there wasn't enough good scene in Ghostbusters to forgive the way things looked in that final sequence. I'm just, I'm just spitballing now, to be honest. Yeah. I, I would be interested to like hear people's arguments. Cause I, I, that's not my arguments. Like I think the, the visuals of this movie look fantastic. I think this movie looks great. The, 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 you know, the whole, aesthetic of the ghosts and the different ghosts and the, the kind of the variety that we get it's not just humans you know it's it's different people it's different different dragons and you know it's it's really interesting and i think that was probably a highlight and, and we do get 
a lot of ghosts and like more than any, like especially the Times Square thing is like, you know, this is huge. So many at once. And um, it's a visual spectacle. Living inside of parade float balloons. Is, right. is that is that is that what was happening there was like they were uh, like inhabiting the balloons and they were marching up and down in in the balloons. That part kind of made the Macy's parade. That part kind of confused me. So did those people die during the Macy's parade and they got killed by balloon and this is their way of getting revenge? Or did they they come back from the underworld and they're like, you know what the first thing I've wanted to do since I've been living in hell is? I've wanted to be a Macy's Parade balloon, bitch, so that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. Like, what's the logic in that? You've been putting your hand on the glass trying to break into the human realm for so long, and now you're going to torment them by being a parade balloon? Like, what was was, was the Slender Man guy that was like 200 feet tall? (laughs) Man. He was great. I love that guy. Oh man! Honestly, I got some Jack Skellington vibes from him. Just yeah, to... yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And speaking of that, the 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 ghost that the that the bad guy turns into, the the giant one that's supposed to resemble the the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, uh, Rowan. Rowan, yeah. That reminded me of Oogie Boogie, from yeah, seriously, yep, for sure. Like even even to like the 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 glowing greenish tendrils that were coming out of his extremities looked like the aesthetic that you got from Oogie Boogie's lair in Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, I was getting some heavy Oogie Boogie vibes, yeah, like definitely. with when he like started growing oh, and stuff. My gosh! Like, of course, in Nightmare Before Christmas, like it's like a marionette or whatever, like it's an actual like puppet that they're using animated, and it's probably like actually cloth, whereas. This was, like, animated to look like cloth and very creepy. I mean, like, taking that, like, colorful, happy ghost, like, turning Casper into a horror film, like, talk about a change of tone. I know um, we're waiting for Jake to to join us again to talk about the humor, but um, I I just wanted to talk about some of the the, um, Meyer characters and the cameos because I did really enjoy... Uh, the appearances by Ed Bagley Jr. and Charles Dance. I thought uh, they portrayed, um, oh. you know, the, the museum, the Mansion Museum guy that Bagley portrays. I think his name's like Mulgrave or something like that. Uh, um, I, Ed Bagley Jr. Is, is funny in all his roles. He's, he kind of plays the same guy, but I just think it always fits. He t- tends to be cast pretty well. And then Charles Dance is the dean that is uh, that is just uh, always kind of there interacting with Kristen Wiig's character you know she gets very nervous around him because he's her boss and uh, but having that be Charles Dance coming off of like this is still Game of Thrones time so so seeing him in the Ghostbusters movie was was pretty great I really really uh, liked seeing both of them in there Um, and some of the easter eggs and the nods like having the bust of Harold Ramis uh, you know the original Egon in the hallway there was uh, that was a really really nice touch and um, it was very cool to see but um, I got to say, one of my biggest disappointments um, outside of the stuff leading up to the movie where this ended up being a reboot and not being, you know, a, a third movie set in the original canon or timeline or whatever, when it was no made known that they got a lot of people to come back and do, you know, wink and nod cameos to the original movies. Yep. When I got out of the movie, my biggest disappointment was 
the cameos by the original characters. Uh, mm. I was incredibly disappointed by the choices and the portrayals. I would say, to me, the, the best ones, the one I enjoyed the most was uh, Annie Potts. Uh, it's kind of like the bellhop there. Right, the, uh, yeah. The L. I the like that one. Yeah. And uh, I did like Sigourney Weaver there at the end. Though I felt a little bit forced, but I liked the, the way that they kind of turned her character around and had her being a scientist now. Um, that that was cool that she was portraying, um, portraying uh, uh, someone like that. But I, I, I did not like um, Ernie Hudson, Dan Aykroyd, and especially Bill Murray. Uh, and this one, this brings me back to Zach's comments about the original movie about Bur Bill Murray, uh, his appearance in this one. And he has the biggest cameo of all those original characters. He's, you know, a significant minor character, not just like a one line cameo, which is what mostly Ernie Hudson and, and Dan Aykroyd do. Bill Murray has scenes and roles uh, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a minor role in this. And I just thought he was over the top and it just it bothers me every time i watch it i'm just like why is that one of the things i hate the most about this the original ghostbusters <laughs> like it's that was one of the things that i was just like oh man like there were so many things that i thought could go wrong i didn't think their like little cameos would be it but i they, they did not land for me at all oh do you yeah. do you feel like this movie would have been better if they hadn't included those cameos i, I just feel like they were executed incorrectly um, Ernie Hudson's is fine. It's right at the end. It, it's uh, it was you know it was fine. Um, and like I said, Annie and Stigorny I thought were good too. But really, like I, I thought Dan Aykroyd was doing his normal. He does this normal over the top uh, acting choices sometimes when he's not Ray Stance. He kind of has the same character. There's a cutscene from the original Ghostbusters where they're him and Bill Murray are playing bums in the park, and he essentially does that same New York cab voice that he does. <laughs> um, in this movie and it just it, it, it always feels um, fake like it just doesn't feel like a real thing so I didn't like that um, and then yeah Bill's just I, I could have done without either of them or Bill needed to, to do a better job acting and I know he was portraying a new character and maybe it's just the, the way he chose to portray the character I don't like but I just it just bothers me every time I see it I'm like this feels so fake it just doesn't belong okay. yeah it's it's go ahead Jay well, can you guys hear? Wait, yeah, obviously you can hear me now. As soon as I wrote to you guys and said false alarm, I had been trying, like I'd been on Skype trying to talk and like jump in and say things, and nobody was saying anything back to me. And I'm like, maybe what I'm saying is stupid, and nobody's acknowledging me. Oh Turns no, out I'm he got self-conscious. Oh, the the so, I've been back, guys. The, the 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 mute bug got to you for like what ten minutes now? <laughs> Unbelievable! Like all the way back when you were talking about oogie boogie or oogie boogie or whatever. Oh thing. no! <laughs> okay, we're gonna give you like five minutes to say all the things you want to say. <laughs> I don't even remember anything. I'm just I, well, I'm fine continuing on where where you guys are now. But uh, it was good to listen to you guys. <laughs> yeah, you, you got a front row seat of listening to your own. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I didn't even mute myself. I just like backed out of the call and jumped back on. I don't understand what the heck went on, but oh, anyway. Oh no. So what did you think of the cameos, Jake? Oh, the cameos to me were the worst part. Um oh, it was wow. just it was so painful to watch and just hearing hearing kind of the behind the scenes stuff about like them not even really being super into it being rebooted and 
and all that it, it was just it seemed so forced and so like you know uh, kind of like they wanted to be happy to be there but there was just this part of them that knew like they were kind of selling out a little bit and um yeah especially bill murray like joey was talking about it was just really not i don't know it was just not uh not great to see him in that role there's just something so like sad about it i don't know what it is but it just seems so desperate or something um but yeah it was uh it was weird seeing all them especially not i mean not really being super familiar with the original ghostbusters when i saw this one even then i was like yikes you know um but yeah that, that was my opinion it just yeah it doesn't make any sense to me to get all of them to come back and do this just to have them be completely different characters have no most of them have no real input on the story right like just if if you could get them all back and i know asking them to come for a day or two is not the same thing as asking them to film stuff for months but if you could get them all back to do these little cheesy cameos you, you probably could have tried a little bit harder and maybe written a a more cohesive story and continued your original story from 30 plus years ago. And, and people would have been happy because that was always my biggest thing going into it. I don't want a reboot. I want you to do the third movie that you've been talking about for literally 30 years. And now we've lost one of the, the main components when Harold Ramis passed away, you're, you're, you're losing time. And, and this is what they decided to go with. That was always my, biggest issue was i don't want a reboot and new characters i want an original continuation it never had anything to do with the genders of whatever new generation of ghostbusters they picked. i don't give a crap about that at all i wanted it to be a third movie that's what i wanted so all like everything that they came out with that sony published and that paul feig said i'm just like you're just saying stuff and i don't know where you're getting that anyone wants this you you know you could have you could have compromised and come up like if you really insisted on doing some of these things, creating some of these characters, which I love the Holtzman character. Kate McKinnon character is awesome. Jillian Holtzman. Yeah. Is, yeah. I absolutely. Yeah. Love I love her. her. And her portrayal of the character was on point. Love it. Like, but she would have been great to be like, here's, here's, you know, two Ghostbusters that are related to the original Ghostbusters and, or like, you know, they're, they're, they're understudies or something like that. And you bring in a new character like Holt, like, you could have come up with a story that continued the original timeline or whatever you want to call it and introduce some of these, the cool aspects of this movie. And, uh, you know, whatever um, Feig and Dipold and um, uh, Amy Pascal and Sony did, it just, I, I don't know. They, they got things mixed up of where most people wanted the direction to go. And I know we focused when, when Zach talked about um, the the negative reviews and stuff. It's it's just a shame that for for clicks and attention, people focus on those absolute a holes and right. um, trolls out there that go off and get people riled up for saying absolutely ridiculous things, and that's what people focus on. Uh, it certainly didn't help um, the the movie in the long run, focusing on all the negativity because I think if people would give it a chance. And no, I don't think it's anywhere close to uh, the the original uh, two at, at all. But it's nowhere near as bad as people make it out to be. Uh, and I don't think people gave it a chance because of all the negativity surrounding production and the release. Yeah, it sucks that I don't know. I don't know much about the production. I've 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 kind of looked into it a bit. You know, reading, watching some videos and stuff like that. Um, it seemed 
almost lazy. I, I, I use that term loosely. I think a lot of people use the term lazy in regards to like movie making and, and it's never really the case because like movie makers are not are anything but lazy normally speaking. They're very hardworking people. But from a storytelling perspective it seemed kinda like lax to go, well we don't want to have to deal with all that. We just want to create our own thing. And I totally get from the perspective of trying to create new characters and trying to create strong characters in regards to that is what what you want to do is give these characters allow these new ghostbusters to kind of do this stuff on their own and not being saying oh they're just discovering all this and they're doing it and it's not because they're scientists they're just following in the footsteps of people that came before i understand you want to give them their own identity but i still think there was a way there's easily a way it could have just been you know these characters are just there and they're scientists and they move forward with where the original Ghostbusters came about and it's in the same universe. It's very, very close. They're using the same, you know, firehouse. They're using all these different different iconography. And it's weird. Something that I kind of looked into is like I think they the producers kind of unlike most reboots, kind of saw it as, okay, we can just kind of go off on the iconography of this. We can kind of go off the concept of this, not doing a la Superman, Batman, Fantastic Four, you know, all these, you know, superhero films also, and, you know, going to Star Trek or whatever, like taking the characters that people love and kind of rebooting them or or taking them in a new direction or just recasting them, they were like, okay, we have the concept that is Ghostbusters. We're going to apply this to new characters. I think maybe it didn't pan out. It didn't resonate like they wanted it to. The I'm glad you bring up the iconography because that was definitely a point I wanted to touch on. The iconography of of this movie reminds me very much. Well, that they 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 didn't really have they couldn't commit one way or the other. Are they going to do a reboot reboot and make it their own, or are they going to do something that has new characters but uses just recycles the the original stuff? And they right. kind of went halfway, and it just reminded uh, me of the the meme where it's like, "Hey, can I can I copy your homework?" And he's like, "Yeah, just change it a little." And <laughs> that that's yep. what they did. Like the Ecto, the original Ecto is uh, you know a Hearst ambulance, a Miller Meteor, 1959 Miller Meteor Hearst ambulance conversion model, and this one is just a Hearst. It's still white with some red. They put a stripe down it. The logo is the same, and they put a giant yellow light on the top. Like it's. It's the original Ecto, but not as cool. And then the Proton Pack <laughs> are very similar, but to me, not as cool. I yeah. don't like the crap. Uh, they choose to go to a, like a, basically an apartment above a, a Chinese food place instead of uh, the firehouse. Like they just kind of shifted something one way or the other instead of go, doing a complete like 180 and doing something completely new or just reusing the original stuff. I, I really wish they would have gone one direction rather than settling in the, the middle. And uh, d- did you guys see the original trailer that I they reference? Have you guys seen that, you, you know, four years ago it's, or at all recently? It's been a probably. while. I probably have seen it. I so, saw it when it first came out, but I didn't look yeah. at it. The one where at the beginning they say 30 years ago. Yeah, okay, yeah, Jake knows exactly what I'm talking about. So 
like, you know, the Ghostbuster fandom was all up in, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen because they didn't specifically ever come out and say, this is a reboot. Like, they'd say this is a reboot, but then they would kind of back off and, like, there was no clarity. So when the first trailer came out in, like, early mid-March 2016, we were hoping for to figure out what was going on. And mm-hmm. so the first trailer opens with the original Firehouse and talking about scientists from 30 years ago. So people were like expecting it to be a continuation. And mm-hmm. then that all they, so they just kind of diverted expectations and then went in the exact opposite direction. Um, and that didn't help the trailer or the uh, feeling for the movie at all. When you make allusions to the originals, but then pull the rug out from under everyone and be like, nope, it's a reboot. It has nothing to do with that. Yeah, that's a complete like misrepresentation of this movie. False like in this movie, it, it it's completely false advertisement because like not only is it not a continuation, like it's a completely new take on those characters. It's it's completely new characters, and they're set in a universe where, you know, not only like in the first movie, like we talked about it, how like it seemed like people kind of believed in ghosts, like they're kind of a thing in New York or whatever. In this movie, it's like clear that like people don't believe in ghosts. Like they're a thing that's just kind of strange and they kind of make this discovery and it's a different take on the thing. And that's the thing with like movie companies now. They they go so hard on the nostalgia because they know it's going to sell, but then sometimes it's either they give you too much nostalgia and it ruins the final product or they pull back too far <laughs> and it's not enough to keep people happy. Well, that's why I think what they're doing now, you know, with uh, with Ghostbusters Afterlife is kind of perfect because the yeah. the whole deal is that is that Harold Ramis is, you know, he's no longer with us. Unfortunately, he's he's definitely my favorite of the Ghostbusters, by the way, Egon. And the fact that he's not here is sad. But with Ghostbusters Afterlife, it's like a direct continuation of that honoring that lore and that legacy and the legacy of Harold Ramis with making his granddaughter be kind of like the center of the movie. And that's that's how you do a continuation of the Ghostbusters without Harold Ramis. Yeah, I think where they're going with Afterlife, I think definitely is there definitely it's more force awakening it mm-hmm. in a way kind yeah. of doing the whole like passing of the baton, obviously. And that's what from what I've heard that was kind of going to kind of be. Ghostbusters 3 originally well, was yeah, going to be kind of this thing passing like the baton. Six, seven different <laughs> scripts supposedly <laughs> tossed about, but they always sort of focus on, um, especially as as the original guys got older, of, of passing the baton, you know, opening e- either, you know, independent organizations um, and then focusing on the New York one with the younger cast of characters. And there's been so many people rumored to be in those roles. But I think the way that they're going about just from, you know, the eight month old teaser trailer that came out, uh, it just the way they portray it in that trailer is absolutely what I want from a a Ghostbusters three. And yeah, um, I'm very much looking forward to to that. But um, also, I love Paul Rudd. Right. Yeah. Well, it's funny because when they were last talking about doing it, I don't know if this is back in 2009 or maybe the early 2010s, Paul Rudd was supposed to be one of the new Ghostbusters. And oh. now here we are in 2020, and uh, I don't know if he's going to be one of the new Ghostbusters, but he's in the new Ghostbusters movie, so close enough. Yeah. And he's a fan in the universe. Exactly. Yeah. So that's cool. That's really cool. I'm looking forward to the movie. And you know what? 
Joey, you are now formally invited to our Ghostbusters Afterlife discussion whenever that happens. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to join no matter what. Like, you guys are just going to show up. Hey, guys. What's up? Okay. <laughs> Got some other guests? Nope, sorry. This is something that might ruin it for me, and I, I want to ask you guys over or under 50% chance here that they that uh, CGI Harold Ramis will make an appearance as a ghost. Oh. Um, I I would hate that. <laughs> I'm going to say no. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say there's going to be a lot of allusions to him, but I don't think that's going to be one of them. I, I think I, I don't want to ruin any of these thoughts because I'll be talking about with Steven on delayed replay soon. Um, oh, nice. You, you know my thoughts on what's going to happen in afterlife but there's definitely going to be it's going to be harold ramus heavy you know egon spangler heavy uh definitely in relationship to um i think the the at least the exposition even if it doesn't have to do with the plot which i think it very much could um the exposition and the new cast of characters are very much going to be related to uh Egon Spangler and, and Harold Ramis's character, and and Bill Murray has come out and said that uh, he's very much involved in this movie. But I don't think that means we're going to see a a ghostly version, a ghostly visage of, of him. That was always Bill Murray's thing. He wanted Peter Venkman to die and be a ghost in the third movie. <laughs> we're, we're not, we're, we're nowhere, we're not getting that. Um, but yeah. that's that's what I expected in this movie. I expected Bill Murray to come back as a, <laughs> as a ghost, ghost in the third act, and it never happened. <laughs> that well, that, yeah. After he, after they basically kill him, <laughs> yeah, directly exactly. but... thrown out the window or something. Yeah, yeah. They he re- well he releases the ghost and it flies out and knocks him out the window. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that uh, coming back to that, uh, yeah, Bill Murray wasted in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a head scratcher to me. I just. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like they could have gotten, like, any other actor to do that. Like, it, it was just so, like, oh, it's just a guy <laughs> just right. doing well, his thing. I saw so many modern and recent comedians appear in that, you know, like, basically the entire cast is filled with uh, female comedians. And have, they worked with Paul Feig in the past. And how many of them stop in somewhere to make other cameos? You couldn't have just gotten someone else to feel fill that role you went with bill murray there uh but whatever <laughs> martin I, um, heiss, that was his character's name martin heiss martin heiss i mean it was like the one bit that was funny was like you know him hesitating and they're like is this true hell no <laughs> right yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. a little, like if they had kept going with that like that would have been funny but like i mean obviously very ironic to have vinkman come back and be the the skeptic but uh, they just didn't do anything with it. Yeah. I think actually it might be a decent uh, pausing place. We're almost an hour plus into the discussion. So, uh, wow, I went by like crazy. I know, right? It, like, it's just been flying by because we have so many different thoughts. And we're going to have plenty more thoughts on the flippity flip. But we're going to say hi to our uh, friends and partners and patrons and all that good stuff. And we'll be right back to continue this discussion of the 2016 film Ghostbusters when the IPC podcast comes back. Don't go anywhere. This is IPC.
Greetings, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey, y'all, this is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? We're back continuing our discussion of Ghostbusters Answer the Call here on the IPC podcast. Uh, You can find this episode and just about any other episode we've got on our host site, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. But we've also got several dozen episodes on places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Uh, Several others that I just can't even think of mentioning right now. But we've also got recent episode releases on StarWarsUnderworld.com as well. So if you want to be able to find us just about anywhere, you can find us just about anywhere. And you can also find us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at IPC Podcast. A big thank you to the partners that we just heard from, and a thank you to our patrons who help financially contribute to what we do here on the show. People like Joey. And uh, Ryan H, 1152, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, Carrie Fleming. We've got a lot of awesome people that just send in a couple of bucks a month. Uh, and, and, and honestly, every little bit does help uh, because, like, the amount that we get literally pays for our subscription to be able to upload every episode that we do every week. So 
uh, every every little bit does help. And if you want to financially contribute to this program, if you feel like uh, investing two, three, four bucks a month, we've got a lot of awesome exclusive stuff for a really, really minimal amount. And you can find out about all those levels at patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. There you go. Uh, uh, that was all one breath. Could you tell? <laughs> impressive. Most impressive. All right. So uh, Jake took a break and and then we took a break and we've been dancing around this idea of, of the, the comedy and, the, and whether it was a, a hit type of comedy or a miss type of comedy and uh, as we all know, comedy is really subjective. So it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to hear a, a few different perspectives. But but Jake, I want to go into a little bit deeper detail with you, if we can, for the next couple of minutes, and just dive into the type of comedy that we got from this film and how certain things may have worked and how certain things may not have worked. Uh, what do you feel like did work for you? I mean, very little, to be honest. I mean, a, a lot of the Kate McKinnon stuff did work for me, like Joey was saying. Like, I, she was a highlight for me out of the cast of, of women there. And Chris Hemsworth, to me, just really hit the spot as far as just kind of awkward um, – situational humor sort of I, I guess is how you'd put it it has been a little bit since I've seen it but he his presence in the movie was just just funny to me like it was just funny to see him in that role as the you know the the dumb uh hot guy you know and uh and the the thing that made me laugh the hardest was the that whole sequence where he's talking about the logos he came up with for the company and maybe it's just because you know I'm I'm into logo design or whatever. Oh my god! But it was just so funny. Like I I've I've gone back and watched that scene a few times since watching that movie, uh, just because it makes me laugh. Um, and the dog over the house is probably. Oh, oh, I died. I was just like that's a shirt. You can get that. <laughs> I I want that shirt. It, like in the theater i'm laughing so hard and like i'm with my friend dan and he's like what is so funny and nobody else in the theater's laughing and i just i thought it was so funny um but yeah that was the only laugh out loud moment i remember having in the movie um and you know pretty much i I don't know about everything but a a lot of the stuff is ad-libbed you know by chris hemsworth or by by uh the the four girls and not a lot of the the humor lands for me it's there's just this kind of dumb improv humor that you get with like snl people sometimes that in my opinion is kind of cringeworthy and there was a lot of that in here but um i think some some worked not definitely not the vast majority okay um, I'm curious to get everybody else's thoughts before I, I bring in my thoughts. So, uh, Ben, your take on the comedic aspect of of this film? Um, I mean, there was some funny moments. I, you know, I I wasn't like rolling on the floor laughing with the first two films. Like, I think they're funny in places, but they're not. Like, I don't, I don't. I know it is a comedy, but at the same time, I don't consider these films like straight up comedies. Like they are, they are kind of action 
fantasy movies with humor in them. There's a lot of good humor. And you can't help but have humor, especially when you have Bill Murray involved. But apparently that wasn't the case with this one. I'm just saying. Um, But, like, I I did enjoy some of the stuff. And, like, I I enjoyed a lot of, you know... Like I said, I I think this movie was really well cast. And I think I, I did enjoy a lot of the humor between them. And, you know, yeah, yeah, Chris Hemsworth, he's funny. I mean, I, I, I love Chris Hemsworth. I really do. Um, I don't know. There's just something just like the whole just it, it him being just this total idiot. <laughs> He's just so <laughs> stupid. And they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, like, oh, my God. Like, if this was a if this is a woman and there's were guys like, oh, my God, this would be so this would be that, so that, bad. That's, like a, that's a fault. That's a Paul Feig thing, you know. He was he was co-writer with Katie Dippold on on this, and he kind of is like he takes these tropes and tries to turn them on their head, and you know, I, I, he tries to attack stereotypes by making the inverse kind of thing, mm-hmm. and that's exactly yeah. what he did. Um, the, like, I, I guess like I, I understand what he's trying to say, and I get it. I actually am with Jake. I didn't mind Chris Hemsworth in this. I thought it was funny. I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit about it because I was like, I know what you're trying to say. Like, because so many movies, you know, 30 plus years ago would hire a young, attractive uh, female actor to be a, you know, an administrative assistant type role, and that's, you're just flipping that on its head. That's, that's literally that's, what happened with Annie Potts in the 84 film. I know that's yeah. why I said it. Like, Bill Murray literally <laughs> hits on her in 1984. Sure. And now Kristen Wiig's hitting on Chris Hemsworth in this film. It's like, it's the reverse of But Annie Potts not an idiot, though. Right, no. She, like, she's she's good at her job. She gets better, but she's kind of ditzy. Well, I don't know. I mean, she pretty much says she's quit better jobs in this, and uh, she's <laughs> caught, uh, you know, just kind of... It, it, doing whatever reading books and then eventually flirting with uh with egon but <laughs> yeah but i, I actually I, I i thought most of the stuff with chris hemsworth um with his kevin character i thought i thought it was, was pretty funny i didn't have any problem with it i just kind of laughed and smirked at uh paul feig's attempt to uh turn this stereotype on on its head and it's fine it was it was fine i also think maybe it could be a case of like well maybe it was just funny because we were comparing it to everything else in the movie. <laughs> but I also like yeah. that was uh, Chris Hemsworth because I think he showed how funny he can be because I thought yeah. he didn't what they asked him to do. I, like, at no point did I, like, he's acting stupid. Like, I don't think he's like that, and especially seeing him in a variety of other movies, most of them being Marvel-related. But I think he was able to show, and I think that came out when they, when he chose to accept the role that he wanted to show that he wasn't just you know this this determined and manly character all the time that he had range and he could be funny and i think he did a good job mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and, it, and it says something about his character and how his acting because like he let's face it thor is played off he, he his his whole thing is fish out of water you know going way back to the beginning of that character and it's all about him just not understanding things so you know, this guy is that to the extreme of he doesn't understand anything. <laughs> He's yeah. just a total dunce. And, and it's funny. It is really funny in that there's several scenes where, you know, that he's kind of the standout character. And I like how they kind of bring him in and make him part of the plot, which is something that can't be said for Annie Potts. She's kind of 
there, and she she gets some play in the second movie somewhat, but like she's mostly just kind of the secretary in in the background, and at least you know Chris Hemsworth got like a good role, like he's he's in this movie, like he plays a significant part in the plot. I mean, I think he only joined this movie because they promised him a decent role. Like, he wasn't going to be a secondary or tertiary character. He's Chris freaking Hemsworth. Yeah, he wanted to be a, a 1B. You know, the ladies were the 1As, and he wanted to be the 1B right there. And, and he was. I mean, he, he probably has more screen time than 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 Rowan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Which is, which is interesting because he actually kind of becomes Rowan in, yeah. like, the third act. So possessed. Works to a degree. As far as Rowan goes, just to kind of like like shift a little bit, um, he kind of reminded me of like like the, an amalgamation of the the uh, what, what, the museum curator from the second one and yeah and uh, and I, I don't know who else, but it was just kind of like an amalgamation of a few different characters from the first two Ghostbusters, but I, maybe that's just my interpretation of it. I never thought about him being similar to a Yonish, but I, I can I can see that. I can see that there. Uh, he, I I wasn't familiar with um, the actor that portrayed Rowan. Um, I think he's a comedy guy. I think he's probably related to some other projects that Paul Feig has done in the past. I, I didn't know much about him, but I wanted I wanted to say that I wasn't a fan, but I think it's almost the way he portrays the character is just super creepy. Like, just, yeah. It's, it's yeah. Like, you're, not, yeah. you're not supposed to be a fan. No, and that's what I get. Like That's why I don't want to say that I didn't like the character or the portrayal. I just think the way that it's written and the way he portrays it makes me uneasy. And so they did a good job there, I guess, because that's I mean, the way that's... you feel about a villain or the, the antagonist. That's how Janos made me feel, man. He's mostly he's mostly a writer, and he did have some work on Saturday Night Live, but he's done he's done a few acting things here and there. His name is uh, Neil Casey. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. right. did a good job. Did a good job. He convincing as hell. I I, I think um, one of the other things, and this relates more uh, closer to the discussion that we had about the iconography, is the way they decided to institute the main characters where they started exactly the way the original started where you had um three individuals together as a group and then they introduced someone later and it mirrored the first one like to a t basically Mm. Um, literally even down to the race of the characters which Mm -hmm. was very like a little unsettling to me i was like really like you we couldn't have done this differently did we have to? And it's the black person the well, both exactly. times. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, do we really have to pigeonhole this? Like, was that necessary? Because I mean, at least they did bring her in like pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like quicker than Winston. Yeah. But it wasn't like it almost like oh, well, this is like on the nose. And guys. she has a much bigger role throughout. Like, she she doesn't disappear. Uh, she's there right. for you know once she shows up and then joins the group and everything, and that's fine. But I, I just think that the way they organize the characters, they did a disservice to Leslie Jones, which is unfortunate. Um, but I, I think overall her character was my least favorite, just the way that either, either they decided to write it or they had her portray it. And I just think I would have liked to have seen her, them turn it on its head and have Patty Tolan be, um, you know, the Abby Yates of the group or something like that. The Melissa McCarthy character, mix it up a little bit but they instead like went the exact same route that the original did i just and that just seemed again either do something different 
or like don't step on the same path as before. Uh, mm-hmm. You're just too close. People are going to compare it too much, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. And this is a movie that, like, I think it it thrives when it's doing stuff like, for example, you have them go up and they're looking at the firehouse, and they're like, "Oh, it's this, you know, this price range." Like, nope, we're not doing that. And I actually like that moment. I'm like, okay, they're differentiating themselves. They're doing something different. And then you get that payoff in the end of you get the tease of it, and then you get the payoff in the end of okay, this is back where we started. Um, I like that, but there is other things where it's like it's too on the nose, and then it's like way off. <laughs> yeah, it's like they couldn't find the right mix of we're going to do this the same, we're going to do this a little bit differently, and we're going to do this completely differently. They they had a mix of all of them, but I think they chose incorrectly for nearly all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, okay, it's it's time for my hot take, and it's going to cause an argument. Uh-oh. Oh, God. Oh, God. I thought Patty was the best character in the movie. Really? I thought really? she had some of the best lines. I thought she added a spark to the group that was not there until she showed up. And I thought she carried herself the best in the third part of the of the film, especially during the climax. Like everything about her 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 sass, her delivery, her demeanor the way that she was interacting with all the other people, like everything about her was something I ended up laughing at. Whatever uh, they whatever they did for her character struck a chord with me that made me enjoy this movie a whole lot more than if it had been without her. I, I would say she's my second favorite next to Kate McKinnon. McKinnon's great, don't get me wrong. I, I liked her eccentricities. I liked the 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 the, the the, some of the delivery that she had, the, some of the inventions that, that she ended up coming up with, uh, and, and that sequence in the alley. But, I mean, oh my gosh, it, when they're when they're on the train tracks and Patty goes, that's where I saw that weird sparking thing. And Holtzman goes, what was it? And she goes, baby, if I knew what it was, I wouldn't have called it a weird spark. <laughs> spark. <laughs> like, yeah, that's pretty funny. That, and the one with the ghost on the train as it's driving away, and you're like, I guess he's going to Queens, and he's going to be the third scariest thing on that train. <laughs> there, there was, yeah, there's absolutely good parts, and I don't think uh, Patty Tolan uh, is, you know, devoid of any uh, good moments. I, and I, I may put too much of an emphasis on the the really, to me, cringeworthy moment where Melissa McCarthy gets, oh my um, God. where she. The trailer and that was like that just it just didn't I was just like what no like I don't that that <laughs> joke didn't land for me at all and it may have shaded the character completely um, in my eyes because like the, the stuff that you just mentioned like I did you're right that, that stuff was very clever very funny and I love the way that she acts when they go to their first bus at the concert and the ghost lands on her shoulders and she's just like you know like it's on me like I'm just gonna go home I'm just gonna turn and, and walk and she has she does have the funny moments but because they stuck to the same script and the same stereotypes and there's a couple cringy lines she just it didn't land for me like i had hoped it would didn't find winston nearly as funny like like, funny winston winston was the token black character that was just there to to work but i feel like patty actually like contributing 
to what was going on. Like she, she had the street smarts and had some of the social awareness because I mean, let's be honest, people like Holtzman are kind of socially inept. And she was like that bridge between, have you seen a class four operation? And have you seen a ghost? <laughs> yeah. Like, like she, she was able to, to just her interact with the world and interact with them really, really well. I think I actually, if it comes down to it, I think if you're talking about the everyman perspective, which is what, you know, uh, those two characters, you know, uh, Winston and Patty are supposed to represent. I prefer Patty. I think I do. Yeah. Um, and I think she's probably one of my favorite characters. And here's the thing. Going back, one of the standout moments that I remember seeing the trailer, and this is years ago. I probably saw it probably recent. The last time I saw the trailer was probably in 2016. It's probably the last time I actually <laughs> sat down and watched that trailer. And I remember being annoyed. Let's just put it that way. Annoyed by Leslie Jones. Annoyed by those scenes and just her portrayal. I was like, I'm not feeling this character. It's nothing personal. I don't know Leslie Jones. I think just just like her portrayal of that character and just what she was saying and the power of Patty compels you. I'm like, oh, this is this is a bit much. This is a bit much. But then actually watching the movie, she was the funniest like person in there. Like I loved all her jokes. I loved her whole thing. You know the one. You know uh, it's just. I think she really nailed it. I, I liked all of their, their parts, but I think she definitely ended up being a standout. So I, I think I agree with you, Zach. I think she's one of my favorites. I think I think it was really sold for me. I mean, the, the, the whole weird sparking thing was one of my first chuckles that I got from her. But going back to the, the scene right before the rock concert starts, where they're kind of in the back hallways and stuff, and she's by herself, and she sees the mannequin, and she's like, was that there before? Please don't answer. And she keeps walking, and it, it it's like starts following her as she's walking away. She turns around and goes, I said don't answer! <laughs> like, that was when it was sold for me. I was like, okay, that is like... And I think going back to the whole everyman perspective, too, she says and does a lot of the things that I feel like I would do in that situation as well. Absolutely. Like, I'm walking down a hallway, I see a mannequin that wasn't there before, and I'm like, oh, please don't answer, and it starts following me. That's probably exactly what I'd say. I'd probably have a few expletives thrown in there as well, but I'd be like, <laughs> I said don't answer me! Get away from me, ghost! Like, aside, aside from her, her sassy black woman... I am afraid of ghosts! ...exorcist moment... Like aside from that, there's there's a lot about her demeanor that, as odd as it may sound, because I am neither a woman nor black, but a lot of the way that she presents herself. Whoa, okay, that is new information. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, uh, let's face it though. I think we all have a little bit of black woman in us, especially when it comes to ghosts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I don't know. I think. I think outside of that power of Patty compels you type of stuff. <laughs> I feel like she just engages with the gang really well. She kind of doesn't let them get rid of her. Like, I think there's one moment where they're like, Oh, are you just visiting? And she's like, nah, I'm here to work. And they're <laughs> like, uh, and she's like, you're like, you're not getting rid of me. And, and it was, it was just interesting the the way that she kind of, just added herself to the group and then ended up contributing things. Like I, I, I feel like she, she played a good role and had some really good laughs. And in my opinion, 
she was she was my favorite starring character. I, I did also really like seeing people like uh, Steve Higgins being the dean at the beginning of the movie. Like I watched Jimmy Kimmel all the not Jimmy Kimmel Jimmy Fallon all the time, and seeing <laughs> seeing a different side of Higgins was funny. Um, Benny is a uh, Dopinder from Deadpool. Oh, yeah. I guess. So seeing seeing him in there was cool. And you guys mentioned Ed Begley Jr. and Charles Dance earlier. Like it's not, it's not, it's not just, it's not just the four women. They actually had a really solid cast overall for this film. Okay, I have to mention something while I'm thinking about it. There was another cameo. Okay, I in this movie. I think this is what about, I was just about to uh, ask you guys. So, bang, go ahead. <laughs> well, okay, it may not be what you're thinking of because the cameo is not a person cameoing. Okay, it's a building, it's a room in a house from another movie that came out recently that was der- done by a guy that did a Star Wars movie. Is anybody Wait, picking is up this, what I'm putting down is here? Is this uh, something having to do with Knives Out? You're correct, sir. Okay. Where they encounter the first ghost, that room is the same from the mansion yeah. in the Knives Out house. In oh, fact, really? it's the same like living room. Okay. No, from that, from not that where thing. I was going. No, I just Here. had to throw that out there. Because I, I saw it. I'm like, I know this place. I've seen this before. And, and that's what it was. I looked it up. The, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. You can finish your comment. Mine is changing pace. So, Oh, my <laughs> mine was just... I. It was kind of a wild guess because you said Star Wars director, and I'm like, I mean, that house in in uh, Knives Out, it, there's a lot of similar, uh, you know, looking rooms in, in this movie. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Set dressing is different, but you can tell it's basically yeah. the same room. Yeah. No, I was thought Ben was going to bring up what I was going to bring up because I think he's the only one uh, of the of you guys that saw the the extended version because uh, I think this uh, cameo is only in the extended version, but um, Brian Baumgartner from The Office mm. is a small cameo. Um, he is in the oh. Mercado Hotel as a as a tenant, and uh, that role was actually meant for Rick Moranis, uh, but they could not get him to commit, so it went to uh, to Brian Baumgartner. Yeah, interesting. There's there's another Office alum that shows up at the beginning of the film too. Oh yeah. Uh Exactly. <laughs> Gabe, uh, yeah. Yeah. tour guide. One of my favorite favorite memes where he's uh, from was it Silicon Valley where he's holding the blinds and looking out the window while it's raining. <laughs> that him, I didn't realize that. I didn't mean, uh, Brian, Silicon Valley. I'm not sure. Brian Bumgarner. You see the guy that comes downstairs? He's like, I was just here to get ice. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> oh man! Wow. Um. There's there's one other thing I, I wouldn't call this a, a cameo necessarily but I I can't help but wonder if there was uh, some some influence in there um, because this movie came out in in 2016 and there was something that happened in 2013 that makes me wonder if like the creative team borrowed from this at all. Have any of you guys seen uh, The Legend of Korra? No. Uh, first season? But not the second season. Not yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try not to be too spoilery then. <laughs> I mean, you can say it. It's fine. 
in in the Legend of Korra, the second season, which is one of the most um, heavily debated seasons of the entire Avatar universe, because there's Avatar: The Last Airbender, and then Korra is basically the sequel. It's what comes after The Last Airbender. Uh, in the second season of Legend of Korra, there is a a villain that is trying to open up these portals that basically turns the uh, spirit world, which is like a totally separate realm you can only enter through meditation. And it basically tries to open, he tries to open up these, these doorways that allows the human world and the spirit world to interact and interchange freely. Mm-hmm. The portal, the opening, the fissure that we get in the climax of this film and the arrival of these various uh, apparitions and spirits actually reminds me a lot of the harmonic convergence that happens in the season two finale of Legend of Korra. Mm, that's interesting. Really? It, it's, it's obviously a lot more macabre and it's a lot darker than what you get with Legend of Korra, but that season finale happened in November of 2013 which if you're taking a couple of years of production and post-production and all of that into effect, yeah, you know, you back it up two or three years, I feel like it's entirely possible that this harmonic convergence used in The Legend of Korra may have had an influence on the third act of this film. Well, Anything's possible. Director in August 2014, so he would have been working on it in that time period. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's around that time place. But I mean, seriously, guys, if you if you haven't had the chance to see the Last Airbender, or Legend of Korra, like Korra's a little bit more all over the place, but that universe is so fascinating to me. I I honestly want more of it, and the the fan base is amazing. Yeah. The like the the people that watch the show and talk about it, it's it's so it's so fun to watch, and I honestly think that that stuff from, from Korra parallels to this movie a lot and that may have been one of my favorite things about that final sequence it, it was it was kind of helter skelter and it, it was like kind of overwhelming at times but that opening of the portal and the and the converging of the two realms just it it resonated with me so much yeah it's cool Okay. Um, worst moment, best moment, as far as scenes go. Let's go around the horn, talk about that because we kind of touched on like favorite characters. If y'all want to toss that in there too, but um, let's let let's kind of try and bring this shit home as best we can, and let's start with the worst and then talk about what was our favorites. Uh, Jake, you lead us off. The uh, worst moment for me was uh, was the cameos. It just it didn't land, seemed desperate, and was painful to watch. Yeah, but that's kind of all over the movie. Was there like a scene that didn't resonate for you? Uh, it was mostly it. I would say any anything with uh, anything with Bill Murray, but like the the one where he's sitting in the in the building with them um you know in their newly acquired building and gets pushed out the window i was like 
man, what what a way to go, and uh, what a what a painful cameo. <laughs> I was hoping that Bill Murray would have a better role in this film, but I guess that's out the window. Ha ha. Boom. Oh, Zach, you should have seen that one coming. <laughs> uh, Joey's a, a fan of the show, friends. He should have seen that joke coming. Uh, so that uh, yeah, that, we need a break from your jokes, <laughs> Jake. I said we need a break from your jokes. How's that for a friend's reference? Mm-hmm. We were on a break. Yeah, <laughs> like I haven't heard that one before. Mm-hmm. What, what about uh, best scene or favorite scene? Uh, best scene for me was the the uh, the logos uh, with Kevin. That was just it. It was the only time in the movie that I, I laughed out loud, and I laughed pretty hard too. So, what did, what did you make? What uh, this is just a general question, not you specifically, Jake, but to, to any of the guys. What did you make of the introduction of the actual logo being from the graffiti artist in the subway? It was. Yes, yeah, it, it was. In, I like that interesting origin. I, I thought it, I thought it was clever. Instead of just like it randomly showing up, like even the logo had a bit of an origin story to it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's neat. Ben, worst and best scenes. Oh, um, worst moment is probably Abby getting possessed and the head spinning around. That that's yeah, probably like the worst. Probably. For me, um, best moment. Oh, I mean, it's 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 hard because I, I I genuinely like. I think there's a lot of really good moments. Um, you know what? I'm gonna say the dance scene. I'm gonna say the dance scene at the end. <laughs> you should be dancing, yeah. <laughs> I freaking called it. I'm still stoked about that. I don't know why. Uh. Uh, Joey, you're up, man. So I, I feel like I've been more negative about this than I was expecting, but it's more in a grander sense of some of the choices rather than the specific individual scenes or moments. Uh, three jump out to me and two were already mentioned um, earlier in this episode or, or just now. So I'll go to the third one, which I don't think we've mentioned. It, it, it's at the end of the m- movie. Um, it's when Rowan is giant and walking around and they shoot him in the crotch. <laughs> oh. And that, I mean, that was specifically put in there as kind of like they were, so that's kind of like an F you to the um, sexism and misogyny, which I'm like, that was not... It, they they're alluding to it makes it worse and i was just like yeah like that was just like i was just rolled my eyes i'm just like that was completely unnecessary mm-hmm. uh, yeah maybe a bit they have taken it so far i guess why not take it a little bit further right uh, i just like that that was that was one of the other moments that i was just like okay yeah <laughs> wasn't i wasn't a huge fan of it but they had already done so many other things trying to make some sort of commentary on the on the misogynistic nature of, of film's past that I was like, eh, icing on the cake. Why the heck not? Yeah. Um, best moments or favorite yeah. Best or favorite moment. Oh, boy. What jumps out to me as being my favorite moment? 
I, I do really enjoy I, I like the, the Kevin, the logo thing that was really funny. And a lot of moments surrounding uh, Kevin's character um, are, are great. But I do really enjoy when they go into the, uh, uh, the the side of the building or the back of the building or wherever they go to test the equipment. I thought that was yeah funny um, that, when they're, that is they're funny. learning how to figure that stuff out. And I think that, that's uh, pretty and good. The, the satisfaction of, of all of those things being utilized in the final fight sequence as well. Right, like, yeah. They they do connect and bring it all around, and it's nice to see uh, some of the advances. And then that actually is uh, one of the positives that wasn't touched on at all. I talked about you know the the pack and the, the main pack and the trap not being like either just use the originals or go completely different. Don't be close. But then when they add some of their own ideas, I thought that was really cool. Like kind of like the pistol weapons and like the the um, the brass knuckle ghost thing, like. That was that was that was nice. That was a nice addition. I enjoyed that. And I like seeing them test out all of their equipment for the first time. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. the one that was almost like a like a portable ghost shredder, like a like a vacuum yeah, yeah, yeah. tree shredder, but for spirits. It was like <laughs> that sounds like something I would use. And I like the look of that one that has like those green lasers coming out of it. And it's like a bear trap sort of. I there's just something about that I like the look of. Oh, but that was for walnuts, wasn't it? Oh, was it? I don't That's know. what she says. That's what Holtzman says, yeah. Holtzman says it's for walnuts, but maybe it's not. Oh. Or was that another one that that was just a claw? No, that's, that's the one, yeah. That's, that's the, the same, same one? Yeah. Okay, also, the post credit scene where she's listening to the tape and she says, what's Zool? Yeah. <laughs> Two on the nose or okay? Well, I mean, they're set, they were attempting to set up a sequel, so... I, I think it was appropriate. I mean, it's a it's a reboot, and they're bringing it back. And if you're going to keep it in the Ghostbusters universe, it makes sense that um, your first first antagonist, your first villain, was not something from one of the first two movies, even though it was like kind of the logo. But you didn't talk about um, Vigo or Zul Gozer. You 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 came up with Rowan, but now you know you want to stay close to the originals so you're gonna do you're they were gonna do zool like i don't have i don't didn't really have a problem with that it was i think it was a it was a fun tease there at the end uh to get people excited because there also was time where people thought that possibly there would be a um multiverse crossover uh attempt so oh my Uh, goodness oh i wow that would be interesting no i i might have been okay with that if that had gone through but I'm also kind of this is going to sound weird considering like some of the, the praises that I've given to this film. But I'm actually kind of glad that a sequel didn't get greenlit because I think it's good as a as a one off. Like you, you see it, you say that you've seen it and then you move on. Like I, I think the best the best little synopsis, the best recap I could give of this movie and and now I'm kind of moving into final thoughts already, which I probably shouldn't because I haven't talked about the scenes yet. But uh, the best like synopsis I could give of this movie was, should it have been made? Probably not. Did I enjoy it? Yes. <laughs> like, it's completely unnecessary. And yet, for me, it was also completely enjoyable. So, yeah. um, as far as, like, worst sequences go i think i'd probably have to agree with abby's possession like you you, you're only possessing her for like all of 
two or three minutes and then you go jump into to somebody else's body like why not just go there in the first place like why would you have to single out abby and and do something to her if it's not going to be something that lasts very long were you really doing that entire possession just to set up the big bitch slap like there there wasn't any purpose to it and it didn't it didn't seem like there was there was any like necessary or logical reason for that to be included and i just i wasn't a fan um my favorite scene, this is one that really hasn't been touched on a whole, whole lot, just kind of alluded to, but I liked the rock concert. I really liked... That was a good sequence, yeah. I liked how there was a lot of history at the venue, similar to the hotel that they kind of shot up in the, the 1984 film, but there's witnesses this time. Instead of closing it up and it's just, you know, the four of them against one and maybe we've got something in there, maybe we don't. There's a whole crowd of people watching them take on this actual spirit. But for a while, people think it's just an an effect. And even the visuals guy, even the lights guy is like, that's not me. Like, everybody thinks it's just part of the heavy metal aspect of what you've got going on. And maybe these are just, you know, backup dancers that are doing a spectacular light show. But then as things go on, you're kind of realizing, oh, crap, maybe this is a real thing. And then when they actually get it into the trap, they're like, yeah, we caught a ghost. And everybody starts celebrating with them and stuff like I enjoyed that. Do you know what mentioning that scene also allows you to incorporate on IPC? Uh Uh-oh. Crazy train. Yep. Oh, <laughs> you got, oh my god. You got the Ozman making a cameo appearance in this as well. That was unexpected, but uh, very. It's like, what is it? What is the, the meme? A surprise to be sure, but a welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it was like like all of that. Just it 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 resonated with me better than the hotel sequence, like. Some of some of the things that I may not have been as crazy about from the 1984 film, I was a little bit more into in the 2016 film. And I, I, I don't know. I think I ended up enjoying this one more than I did the original, which is probably another hot take for the night. I'm about to slap you. <laughs> Through the microphone. That is electrical current. <laughs> Sacrilege. Oh, I know. Wow. I told you guys this was probably going to be like one of the one of the tougher conversations to get through because And this guys, uh unfortunately we're going to have to say goodbye to Mr. Zach Arnold because he's leaving the show now and, and leaving the the surly bonds of this earth. <laughs> Becoming a ghost after I, Joey kills him. Probably all then. I'm going to go start my own podcast called the Star Trek Underground. We don't allow Ghostbusters in these parts. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, I kind of, I kind of gave my final thoughts. Um, my, my planet score that I'm going to give for it. Uh, I, I don't think I liked it more than the second Ghostbusters, but I did uh, enjoy it more than the first. So I'm actually going to bring it on par with last week's review. I'm going to give it a seven point five. That's what I gave last week's, and that's what I'm going to give this week's. Uh, so who, who wants to take final thoughts and scores next? Uh, I'll get mine over with. All right. I, 
yeah, it, it was just kind of a, a pale attempt, a poor attempt at at rebooting the franchise, and it had a lot of hit or miss humor, more misses than hits in my opinion. Um, some of the designs I liked, but overall, it's like why why did the, why did you even try this? Um, and it's not one of those movies that I'm like, oh, I want to watch this again for sure. Uh, and it's, cr- I can't believe Zach, <laughs> you think that this is better than the first Ghostbusters I somehow. I, I respect your opinion. I just don't understand it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give this a, I'm going to give this like a, a five out of 10 kind of just middle of the road all right uh joey how about you so i have a long history with this movie and what what this movie was supposed to be um dating back decades so when it was announced that it was uh gonna be helmed by uh a comedy director uh, a modern comedy director and not really star any of the new people, and then eventually we found out it was going to be a re- reboot. Um, and then all the drama surrounding production and, and people being really obnoxious um, online left a sour taste in my mouth before the movie even came out. So I went in with low expectations. Uh, but like I said at the beginning, uh, I didn't come out of the movie hating it. And I actually found myself intrigued um, at times, especially with the, the sort of uh, attempt at a setup at the end with the mention of Zool. And I feel like maybe the most positive thing I can say about the movie and the way I feel about it is I wouldn't mind if they made a sequel and I would go and watch it. Uh, obviously, I if I hated it, there's no way I would ever think those things. Uh, there's definitely good aspects of the, the movie. Uh, I, I think they brought in a good uh cast of of actors i just think the execution was off at points i'm not a huge fan of the way they decided to take their cgi the story was was fine but i feel like the the executives and the creators behind it felt like they knew what ghostbusters was but didn't really know what ghostbusters was and as much as it's tough to recreate that as i have said in the past and jake said the lightning in the bottle feeling it, you it's hard to catch it again most people don't think they were able to do it with the original sequel how are they going to be able to do it with the reboot i just think they were far off on that but with all that being said I, I didn't hate this movie i enjoyed it way more than i expected to uh, my planet score for ghostbusters answer the call is a six and a half which ironically is the score I gave for the original film, which is a continued face palm from me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Ben! Zach, how you are up, Ben? Oh man! Oh man! This is uh, you know what I will say. Over the course of this discussion, my opinion on this movie has improved. And that's not to say it was at rock bottom when I started, but you know it 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 has like listening to you guys talk about it, it is is very encouraging because I assumed we'd all hate it to be honest. I assumed everyone hated this movie, and and it's really it's really good to hear 
people say you know that they like it and even you Joey as someone who is a hardcore fan you know usually i mean just speaking as a star wars fan hardcore fans are just can be the worst and they can they they can be just the not the worst the the hardest to please sometimes and i'm speaking as a hardcore star wars fan we're really hard to please and especially when you're talking about a reboot something something you love nobody wants anything they love to be rebooted and it's really encouraging to hear joey talk about how like he like really likes this movie and appreciate what it is and that's really encouraging so i'm not saying it like changed my like overall view of the movie like i think it is kind of middle of the road it's it's got some issues that i you know i really can't get over but overall i think it's got some good points i think it tries hard to do some certain things and for a reboot that really nobody asked for it's not terrible but it's it's not great and, and i know that's that's really bad to say that's that's just a really terrible thing to say about a movie well it's not terrible <laughs> come it's on not guys the worst thing ever it's not the worst it's not terrible nothing it's okay all right i would probably watch it again which is high praise actually because mm-hmm. I, if 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 i don't want to watch the thing again you know i hated it and so i would probably go back and revisit this one and and see it with some new eyes but overall all this rambling is leading up to me giving this a 6.0. Mm. You'd rewatch a film with a 6.0 score? I've done worse. I just recently went through all the Fantastic Four movies, and those are like five and below. <laughs> See, I've got them on DVD. I just haven't gotten around to watching them. Yeah, usually. Oh, watch. Usually you, five or we we just need to we need to talk about them. I I have so many thoughts. That's a whole month I, right there. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's it's a blast. They're awful, but it's a blast. Yeah, I do like Silver Surfer, but and that's the whole like, shows. And I I have a suggestion for a top five episode too. So, mm. oh, we haven't done one of those in a while. Yeah, Anti Heroes was the last one, I think. Yeah. yeah, a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago. Yes, it's it's been a it's been a minute, so it's almost it's almost time for one of those. So based on based on the scoring that we gave it, uh, the six point five, the five, the seven point five, and the six, that's twenty five out of a possible forty points, which give this a uh, a host's score of sixty two and a half percent. Sounds about right. Ooh. That's uh, that's actually pretty close <laughs> to to what the uh, what the conglomerated score on uh, on IMDb is, and the Metacritic score was actually a sixty. So, like, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes is is right there too. So, yeah, that's that's pretty pretty on par for the course. All of that to say, there's there's a lot of mixed feelings depending on who you talk to, and it just kind of ends up evening out around a sixty two and a half percent. Uh, but what's your planet score for Ghostbusters Answer the Call? Or send us your ratings for Ghostbusters 1 or Ghostbusters 2. Uh, we're, we're still taking submissions for all of that. Just hit us up on social media at IPC Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let us know what you would score this film if you've seen it. Don't send us anything if you haven't seen it because we don't need that kind of negativity in our life. 
Uh, I want to give you guys one little fun tidbit about uh, the domestic numbers, the, the box office numbers. We usually do that uh, towards the end of the of the program, just talking about how this film did. Uh, worldwide, it made $229 million in its uh, in its run in theaters. Its budget was $144 million. Wow. It, and that's it, why there's no sequel. It, <laughs> Yikes. Exactly. Here's, here's an even funner fact. The movie was number one in the box office for just one day. Wow. That's shocking to me. It, it, it was number one on the Friday that it released, July 15th. And then Saturday, July 16th, it was usurped quite handily by Secret Life of Pets. Oh, wow. Dang, that, that's a real punch Brutal. to the ego. So that, uh, that should tell you all you need to know about how this movie did in theaters. <laughs> but uh, that's, uh, that's, all, that's all I got for fun facts and trivia, except there's a little trivia attached to tonight's quote of the night. I, I should I should backpedal just a little bit. Ben, you alluded to it earlier in the program. Um, tonight's quote of the night is actually a scene that was completely improvised. This this is this is a sequence that they literally just sat the actors down, said this is the setup, and just go with it, and they did, and they actually did it quite well. And you got to to see a little bit of range from a couple of these people, and got to see some of the SNL experience from a couple of others. Uh, the scene that I'm talking about is when Chris Hemsworth's character Kevin is interviewing for the receptionist job. They have him sitting down at the table, sitting across from the ladies. He's interviewing for the job. And there's there's a whole spiel about his dog, about his glasses, like all kinds of stuff that goes on in this in this interview here. And the entire thing is improvised. And uh, I don't know. I guess we all really liked Kevin. I liked Kevin. He was probably like my number two favorite character. But uh, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna put the spotlight on Kevin for the next couple of minutes here, and I'm gonna shut up and let you listen to this conversation as we give you all tonight's quote of the night. All right. First off, I just want to say, you know, we should probably start with a very important question that we're asking all of the applicants. Um, you know, are you seeing uh, anyone right now? <clears throat> um, seeing anyone? Yeah, just for business purposes. Business purposes only. I'm seeing all three of you. <laughs> in front of me. Oh, just forget she even asked because if she did, that would be illegal. So forgotten. <laughs> Good. No, I've, I've forgotten. I don't know what you asked. There we go. Uh, Jillian Holtzman, Radio Times. Uh, what have you been doing with your whole life? Great question. Oh well, um, lots of different <laughs> jobs. Um, I did the um, did the actor thing. Uh, oh, worked just for. Just real quick, um, can I ask why no no glass? Oh, uh, yeah, they just kept getting dirty, so I took them out. That's... Don't have to clean them anymore. Oh, I just... boy. I gotta, I gotta yeah. try to keep that in mind. Would it be okay if I bring my cat to work sometimes? Uh, he has major anxiety problems. You know what? I, I would love to let your cat live here with you, but I have a pretty severe cat allergy. Oh, I don't have a cat. He's a dog. His name's my cat. Your, your dog's name is my cat? And Mike Hat. 
Your dog's name is Mike, last name Hat. Well, his full name is Michael Hat. I can't say that I'm allergic to dogs, so... Yeah, that's all right. He lives with my mom. Well, then okay. we have that figured out. Was... One down, no cat. But you know what, I say? Let's jump ahead. Uh, Kevin dabbles in web design, and I asked him to throw together maybe a couple of logos uh -huh. for us. Uh -huh. That's you now's your moment. Pull it out. Oh, sure. They're like a lawsuit waiting to happen. Here we go. Okay, so, <clears throat> what do you think of that? Oh. Yeah, you, you do see how this might make us look bad, right? Uh, is it the boobs you don't like? Because I can make them bigger. No, I can see them. Ghost tits was my nickname in middle school. All right. You know what? I think it's not always about the end result. It's about the journey. Well, uh, what about this one? Oh, uh, uh I think that, I think that's already a thing. What, 711? It's 711. Yep, I it is. That's I have another option, though. Okay, please. Is this one? <laughs> nah, that's one of my favorites. Uh, I think you might have made a mistake. I don't think that one's for us. Oh, no. No, that's, that's for you. No, I just thought the floating hot dog implies that a ghost is holding it. <sighs> Your work is more cerebral than I expected. Still have so many questions about that choice. First one is, why a hot dog? Oh, I just like them. Uh, Both food groups. All in one. Dogs and buns. Um, those are those are great. Yeah. We're actually gonna um, discuss everything just for a second. So if you you could just stand over there. We just need Stop. to okay. convene for a sure. moment. Thank you. Right. Just get right over there. Don't listen. <laughs> I won't. Oh, he covered his eyes. Guys, look. As much as I would like to have him here to look at, um, <laughs> you don't find him attractive. Kevin? Oh, God, no. Poor guy. Ow. I don't know, guys. I don't Come know. On. Aaron, we need help around here. We cannot keep carrying that equipment up here. And I know their phones aren't ringing off the hook right now, but they will be. You know, an aquarium is a submarine for fish. Listen, let's just see how the rest of the day goes, you know? Talk to other people, and we will hire who is most qualified, okay? Deal? There are no other people. He's the only applicant. Excellent. <laughs> God, that's loud, huh? It's loud. It's loud. <laughs> Kevin, hmm? you got the job. I think my favorite part is that he's got a full name for his dog. <laughs> Michael Hat. Mike Hat. <laughs> and it, that his dog isn't even his dog because it's living at his mom's house. <laughs> and he's like, he starts it out with like, oh yeah, can I bring my cat? My cat. My cat, and then, cat. and then it's like, no, no, my, my my cat, he lives with my mom. Like, what? What, what, what was that for? So your, your dog's name is Mike, last name Hat. Well, his full name's Michael. I, <laughs> hey, that, that did give me a laugh. That whole thing was just was just so fun. Uh, but yeah. That was our quote of the night. We got one more sequence to hash out. I know it's getting late. We've been talking for about two plus hours now, but we can't let this evening go without this last little segment. So folks that are listening live on channel1138.com, thank you for sticking it out with us. Get out your hashtags and put them in the chat. If you're not listening live, then put them wherever hashtags are found. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. I found out that hashtags exist on Tumblr too. Go figure. Whoa. So. Get them all out there, because it's time for another edition of Hashtag BBQ Watch. 
Barbecue. 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 Okay, so the prompt on the show notes was rather ominous. All it says is, I've got an idea. And then yeah, that one. And then it's got Ben's signature on it. So, uh, Ben, apparently you have an idea, and I'm just gonna yield the floor to you, my friend. Let me guess, yeah, you're gonna it, talk it, about my spaghetti. Um, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. All right. Will, you just yeah. you just sit down and shut up. We'll get to that. We'll all right. Get to that. <laughs> first of all, first of all, Mr. Jake Damon. Oh. I have something that I want to read out. Okay. And I I need you to explain it. Okay. Oh, no. I quote, Today I had a half a bag of barbecue potato chips and two full chocolate peanut butter milkshakes, and that was just breakfast. (laughs) I'm a sick man, says the tweet. Tweets, I should say, from at Jake Damon on Twitter. Explain, sir. Okay. Well, I mean... The tweet explains itself. <laughs> I woke up one morning just a couple days ago and there I didn't feel like eating cereal. I felt like kind of a salty sweet combo for some reason and it was like it was late enough in the day where I was like it's kind of too late for breakfast food even though I like breakfast food any kind any time of the day, but I was I was like if I'm going to start my day, it's going to be with lunch. And so I started thinking about all the lunch things I could have. And all of it was too, like, too much work to do. And then there was potato chips, barbecue potato chips in the cupboard. So I grabbed those. So I was going to have those along with, like, a sandwich or something. But I didn't end up having the sandwich. But I'm like, oh, I'll eat the chips. And then I look in the freezer and there's ice cream. And I'm like, I guess I could... I, I'm too lazy to build a sandwich, but I'll put the work into making a milkshake because that just sounds really good. And I put too much ice cream in the blender, and so I had enough for like two milkshakes. And so I found myself sitting at my computer desk at like 11 o'clock in the morning with two glasses full of milkshake and half a bag of potato chips. And I downed all of it, and it was amazing. There's the story. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I'm impressed. It's a great. You are you are you are relieved of doing. Okay. Well, it's a it's a great combo. I will say. I don't know about any other flavor of milkshakes or chips, but the the saltiness of the chips and the and the the sweetness of the chocolate milkshake was just perfect. It was a great blend. That that does sound great. Barbecue chips and milkshakes. I didn't know there was such a combination, but now I'm hungry. Yeah. Okay. So about this spaghetti. <laughs> Oh, no, we're actually addressing this? We have to, all right? We have to. This man needs an intervention, all right? He sent us via private message a message that says, BBQ watch, and I'm expecting, oh, you know, he's eating barbecue for dinner or something. No, no, he's not. It's something completely different. It's a freaking bowl of spaghetti. Yeah. How dare you, sir? Yeah. 
I, uh, you know, I, I, I live by the rule that anything can be barbecue, even if it doesn't contain any barbecue. Like, why can't why can't anything be barbecue? I, I'm going go to go will it into existence. Yeah. Next time I go to Taco Bell, I'll send you guys a picture. Barbecue watch. Next time I eat some pizza, just normal pizza. Barbecue watch. Every, anything can be barbecue. Watch. Barbecue. Jacob. Barbecue is not like gender. You can't just <laughs> bend it to your will and call it barbecue. <laughs> I I live by Do my you, own set of rules and I beg to differ. Or it's not barbecue. And spaghetti is not barbecue. It's not even from the same country. I swear <laughs> to God, you go to Italy and ask them for barbecue, they're gonna look at you cross-eyed and have no freaking clue what you're talking about. Yeah, go to a restaurant in in Venice and go, yes, uh, do, do, do you have Memphis-style sauce here? <laughs> Memphis-style spaghetti sauce. They will They will throw you out. They, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't even know how to address this. Like, well, it's you, not barbecue. Why are we even talking about it? This is not barbecue. I think the discussion should stay open and remain open for any food being barbecue, if you want it to be. Without having to have any barbecue ingredients. The only way I could see it becoming barbecue is if you replaced the the ground beef with brisket. Then, yeah. then I would consider it. I might consider it. Or even like like pulled pork or something like that. Some other kind of barbecue-related meat. But, I mean, you can't even put barbecue sauce on your noodles. Why would you put barbecue sauce on your noodles? Like, th- 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 it's just, no, that that doesn't belong. So the only way you could integrate it is with some kind of barbecue-related meat mixed in there with the pasta sauce. But you didn't even do that. Well, he- here's a concept. Spaghetti sauce on noodles with a little bit of Parmesan cheese barbecue folks do not be surprised if you don't hear jake damon's voice on next week's episode i I think after this week i think i'm kicking you both off (laughs) just coming me and joey next week speaking of joey he stuck around with us probably longer than uh he bargained for so joey thank you for joining us for two two and three quarters of this trilogy that we went on uh, i know that you you did you sent in a voicemail for the middle episode but to, to bookend it with us and then to, to have the guarantee that you'll be back whenever afterlife comes out uh it's been uh great fun having you and we uh, we appreciate all that you've contributed these last few weeks man thank you oh no thank you guys um for welcoming me on for the original and the reboot, I am disappointed that I couldn't make the uh, discussion for uh, the sequel. But, yeah, that's just the way life works sometime. I had already penciled myself into uh, the March 12th recording of IPC. Maybe March 19th, depending on how quickly you guys get to the theater, yeah. if that's a thing, you know. Because um, the movie comes out on March 5th. So, uh, I'm, uh, I'm ready All right, to go. I think everything is just going to be on Disney Plus by uh, then. So. <laughs> Hey, I wouldn't mind it. Just throw that, throw it all on there. That's fine too. But yeah, it's really, I appreciate you guys uh, doing this for me. I've been asking for it for a long time. So uh, 
you, you humored me and you got it done and I'm, I'm glad I got to be a, a, a large part of it and, and it's not over yet. So hopefully we get to talk about it, um, you know, in like six, seven months. That's, yeah. that's very true. So in the meantime, where can, uh, where can the folks at home keep up with what you're doing until that time comes around? You can always uh, find everything I'm doing at jmnjrradio.com. That's the home of uh, my modest podcast network. I do uh, a, a number of shows if you're interested in stuff similar to our discussions about Ghostbusters. I do a very irregular podcast called Tangents with Friends where I welcome on a few of my friends to talk about um, pop culture, movies, TV, toy collecting, and things like that. And you can find that in the JMNJR radio feed. And if you like sports, which I know uh, Zach is into, uh, I do have a regular uh, weekly sports show called the Joe Mays and JRAF show, which uh, I have been doing for over nine years with one of my best friends. Good night, nurse. You were on the front lines when podcasting first became a thing at at that rate. Jeez. Yeah, back February 2011, we uh, debuted, and uh, we, we're not as consistent, and the, the day-to-day life, especially family life, has gotten in the way over the years, so we're just a little bit ahead of you guys, actually. We're in the 300s. I think we're about to do episode 314 or 315, um, but that's spread out over nine and a half years, so. Man, man. Yeah, I, we're getting dangerously close to episode 300 and still don't have a gosh dang clue what we're doing for the 300th episode. Well, I think we should make you rewatch the original Ghostbusters and we can talk about the first movie again because uh, you over. And it takes like five hours to watch it because it's Joey stopping it every five seconds to go, you understand how awesome this is? <laughs> or, or we could just make Zach watch the original Ghostbusters 300 times. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm for that. I've got this thing called A Life. And there's other movies that I'd like to watch before that. Um, we'll come up with some punishments we'll, for next week's episode. We'll figure we'll figure something out. We'll figure something out. Uh, Jake, where can the folks at home keep up with you, man? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jake Damon or on Instagram at Jake W. Damon. I also have an art page that I post to irregularly uh, at Jexpats, J-E-X-P-A-T-C-H. And it was great talking to you guys. It was it was fun having you, even if you're wrong about barbecue. But well, I I, I, I I feel like I need to go easy on you a little bit because you haven't had actual barbecue, you poor thing. Bless your heart. You don't know me. You don't know my life. I I know that if you haven't had Ben's family's ribs and you haven't had that's true. That's true. And you haven't had brisket and pork from the salt lick in austin texas then you haven't experienced true barbecue all right I'll, I'll give you that i do really need to go down and eat at ben's restaurant for sure i'll i'll meet you there or we do that uh, that road trip that we've been talking about for months and uh we oh just, yeah you just fly into texas and then we drive out to mississippi that sounds like a great use of our time <laughs> yeah i'll meet you there spelled m-e-a-t uh, uh <laughs> getting late folks jake damon's coming up with the puns now <laughs> gotta work on my dad jokes you know oh really <laughs> oh yeah hey folks i'm a dad <laughs> found out on father's <laughs> day <laughs> i forgot you hadn't revealed that to the public yet yeah, this is the the debut wow the first 
public announcement that Jake will allow me to publicly say congratulations. Thanks. I, I'll say Zach and Ben were the the first two people I told. So, Aww. even before your wife? Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, no. That's, that's not really how that works, Joe. As a dad, you would know that she would kind of have to know. Or else we took the, or I took the pregnancy test in just like a really weird way without yeah, her. I, that PM really just confused us because Jake was like, "Guys, you won't believe it, I'm pregnant." <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I had a mini heart attack that day, but it was it was a very happy happy day for us, and we yeah we're really excited about the future. The due date is February twentieth right now, so my wife just had a, a ultra sound uh appointment today and we got to see the baby jumping around so that was fun wow. oh, that's great awesome that's incredible yeah, congratulations thank you miracle of life that is so cool it looks kind of like an alien right now so i'm a little <laughs> little nervous but we'll see how this pans out well keep it a- are you sure this thing's human doctor <laughs> yeah, keep, a- keep us updated man we'll see how that goes yeah sure I think it's like yeah, ten ten weeks away from gender reveal, so we're looking forward to that. Oh, you need to come up with like a super original, ultra creative way to uh, figure out the the gender. Yeah, Jake, well, see, Jake, please don't explode anything. Please don't do the what the idiots do. Don't explode. Don't anything. do the cake. That's so cliche. The cake is so over. Well, we kind of have an idea because uh, Sharon's um, sister is pregnant as well with their second baby, and our due dates wow. are right around the same time. So we're going to figure out the the gender and send each other uh, an item in the mail that will be like a signifier, and we'll open it and like reveal it to the other couple. So that should be fun. Oh, that's nice. Okay, I can I can see that. I can respect it. I still want to do the one where you throw up like a like a balloon full of dust and have a baseball player whack it with his bat. <laughs> I thought you were just going to stop at throw up, like throw up some like like blue sludge or something. <laughs> I could do that. But <laughs> it's a boy. To, I would have to eat said sludge first in order to figure out what that is, but that sounds you'd like... Be, you'd be blindfolded. It sounds like something straight out of Rick and Morty, honestly. Uh, yeah, like, it does. Congratulations! It's a... <laughs> I just watched the Meeseeks episode last night, and it's Gosh. yeah. It's Anatomy fun. Park. Anatomy Park is still my favorite episode. That and Interdimensional Cable. Oh, I love Interdimensional Cable. All right, enough tangents. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we just need to have like a, a Rick and Morty spin-off episode, you and me, Jake, or something. Who knows? Oh, please, I would very much enjoy that. All right. Well, in the meantime, keep up with us on social at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I am on Twitter at Zach the Voice, Z A C H the Voice, and on Instagram at Zach dot the Voice. The R-rated expansion program RIPC is now on Phantom Empire. Check out phantomempire.net for updates on when new episodes have dropped. And if you want to see the video feed of that, then go become a patron of the RIPC level on patreon.podbean slash ipcpodcast and uh, listen to previous episodes on starwarsunderworld.com find other episodes on uh, iTunes on Google Play and our hosting site ipcpodcast.podbean.com we've gone almost two and a half days but it's been a really fun episode and it's finally time to put it and ourselves to bed episode 296 is officially in the books 
for Joey and Jake and Ben, my name is Zach. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you'll tune in again next week. Until that time, though, we just want to leave you with this final thought. Courage makes heroes, but trust builds friendship. And we trust that we're going to see you friends next week right here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. job at the MTA. Was it perfect? No, of course it wasn't perfect. But I tell you what, everybody was alive. Was that there before? Please do not answer. <laughs>